be summer though. All right, take it away. Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome to Coffee and Kanafa. This is M. I'm here with my partner S. Today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be children of immigrants. To explain the coffee and kanafa to them. Coffee and kanafa, okay, right? So, uh, coffee. Coffee. Coffee is a New York coffee. thing. Well, not a New York thing, an American thing. But I guess like, there's Arabic coffee too. Yeah, there's but Middle the Eastern coffee. That it's spelled the way that it's spelled is purely because of how you say it. Okay, so it's a New York thing. The way we say coffee, I don't think it's any different. I think I say it normal. Oh, but I guess to most of the world, it's different. Um, and then kanafa being a Middle Eastern dessert that everybody likes. If you're, you know, falahi, chanafa. Oh. It's, that's how they say it. They get tight. Plot twist. No, I know. <laughs> Trust me. Chanafa chaz. Uh, chanafa chaz. Good chaz. Uh, yeah. All but right. Basically, what this podcast is going to be talking about mostly is navigating the waters while being the child of an immigrant. Cultural assimilation. Cultural assimilation, what we think we do right, what we could work to be better at. Um, Our parentals. Our parental uh, input on a lot of things. Um, But yeah, you you were mentioning to me uh, that um, a lot of times there's like this disconnect between us and our parents. And it's understandable to a certain extent because they come from a different world. Um, Often, I feel like if we could just understand why they think a certain way, we don't have to necessarily agree with them, but it helps. To know where they're coming from. Yeah, it helps improve communication. So, this is um, all cards on the table the third time we're recording our first episode. (laughs) Yeah, somebody doesn't know how to save it. But last week, we had a really good question, so I think we should just do it again. It doesn't have to be word for word, but I think the question was good. What was the question? (laughs) If you could give yourself one piece of advice, if you could give 20-year-old... Did you say 20-year-old you? Yeah, Or a younger you? 20. No, I want this advice young. 18? What do you want, 18? 16. Nah, 16, I think... uh, 16, you're graduating. High school. What are you graduating? High school. Oh, I was 16. I was young. Okay. Must be nice to be smart. I wasn't smart. I got... The, totally back in Oh, I graduated no, no, high no, school no, two no. years early. It's not that I was smart. When I was in school... First of all, I was in school in Patterson. So when they put me in, mm-hmm. the November cutoff date wasn't a thing yet. You were probably reading at a third grade level in like the second grade. No, I wasn't smarter than them. I just made it before that law or that rule went into place. So if your birthday is sometime in November, in December, that's how they determine like when you're five years old, if you're five at a... I don't know that. Anyway, since my birthday is in late November, I made the cutoff before they changed the rule. So like okay. I didn't even have my driver's license. All right, so 16 years old? Until... Okay, uh, 18. Okay, we'll go 18. Um, One piece of advice. Uh, Your golden rule. Take chances. I mean, I know it's cliche and uh, there's a bunch of people that say that, but don't fall into societal norms, especially like with us. There's constant pressure from your parents like, oh, you have to do this. You have to go to school. What about this person's son? What about this person's daughter? What about them? Like, what are people in our community going to say? What are the people in the masjid going to say? What are you, What is your uncle going to say? What is your cousin going to say? My uncle's crazy. And all those things, at the end of the day, do absolutely nothing for you, right? Because 
nobody is going to pay your bills. Nobody is going to burden your responsibilities. And nobody's going to stand in front of God for you. You know, so if you have a road that you want to take that may not be the most conventional, honestly, being 18, 19, 20 is the best time to try it. You took my answer. Okay. <laughs> but you'll never have the opportunity that you will when you're 18, right? Because as you get older... Okay, that's a good one. No, we can go off of it. That's what I would have said. Mm-hmm. Um, consider the non-traditional routes. Because I'm politically correct. Yeah, I mean, but like... <laughs> don't be afraid to like mess up, right? Because if you mess up at 19, what happens? Not much, Your right? ass handed to you. Do you really, though? If you think about it, in the grand well, scheme of things... By what, your, by your parents? By life. I think if you're not, if you have one, for like, most people, unicorn again, person... For most people, there's some people that are in dire situations at 18, 19 years old, right? And I'm not speaking to them, but for the general population, if you want to start a business at 18, 19 years old, and you mess up, so you, you wasted a year. Yeah, I mean, that's... But most people, they up. go to college for four years and end up graduating in six anyway. Hello. So how are you any different from taking a year off and trying something that you really like instead of sitting in a stupid-ass art class? Unless you like art. I, I, um, I, love, I love art, but I'm not, with going, I'm not with going to college right away. I'm definitely with the taking a gap year and thinking about it. But, but if we're bringing this home, I think what I said last week is I, I didn't think that not going was an option. And it wasn't because my parents were like, you're go like you have to go. I just don't think they thought it was an option either. So it was just like, well, the natural. There's um. Did you ever watch Hasan Minhaj? No. Daily Show. Uh, he used to be on the Daily Show. Whatever. And he's a stand-up comedian, and uh, he speaks on being the, like the son of an immigrant, mm-hmm. and he talks about like uh, an incident that happens with his father where he faces some racism and his father kind of just like eats it and says like oh okay i guess like we have to deal with it this is like the cost you have to pay Mm -hmm. and then for him it's like it's like why should we tolerate any of it Mm -hmm. and he calls it the i think the audacity of equality the problem with our parents is they come to this new world and they don't they're they think that we have to follow this grid that's kind of laid down for us and we shouldn't and I think we should have the audacity to shoot big, right? So we don't necessarily have to be an engineer or a doctor or an accountant or whatever to be, quote-unquote, successful, you know? I mean, that was the thing with my, with my family, too, is that, like, go to college, but there was never, ever an expectation to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer or any of it, which I kind of wish they were strict in so many other ways. If they were strict in this way, maybe, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. But because they weren't at all, I had, like, 19 majors. I was just taking a different class every day. So one thing that I've noticed with our parents' generation is it's not necessarily that they're looking at the end goal. They're not looking at the result. They're not looking at the ultimate end. Yeah, it's a step-by-step. It's just they feel like I think they make a lot of their decisions based off of like what are people gonna how are people gonna react Mm -hmm. to this right yeah and that's why you'll see that like when somebody breaks the ice in a community then it becomes so much more acceptable so like if one person for example no 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 but i'm saying if one person ends up being successful in a non-traditional route yeah right 
it's just automatically okay for everybody to do it. If one person marries outside of the the race, yeah. then it's like, oh, then it's so much easier for the second or third person to That's do it. That's true. But the first person, it's always hard well, because... Well, I guess I'm the oldest, so I think the difference between me and my youngest sibling is huge. Yeah, huge. but it, I'm not just talking about you and your siblings. I'm talking about you, no, like, no, in the no, community. No, 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 I know. Yeah, no, but, like, within the household, like, there are still my... They're my parents. We're all mm-hmm. of their kids. But the difference of the expectations of me as a daughter, and he's a son. So, like, they, I mean, I would imagine if we're going to stick to the stereotype, they would be a little bit more on him. But they're not at all. Well, there's also gender. There's gender plays a role in that. But I'm talking more so about, like, what's an untraditional route? Entrepreneurship. Okay, going past that, I'll, I'll speak about somebody that I know personally, right? So this person went the untraditional route, and he wanted to get into uh, making movies, mm-hmm. right? And at first, everybody looked at him sideways, they looked at him funny, whatever. Yeah. And he's not do like, he's not big time yet, but he's well. respectable, mm-hmm. meaning like he has his foot in the door. Right, and now that he has his foot in the door, a lot of people that are around his parents, mm-hmm. they're now letting their kids like, oh yeah, yeah if you want to do something like so and so, why don't you try it? But they probably want that guy as like their apprentice, right? No, not I necessarily. Think when reach but they 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 just they just they think like they they're not worried because they know if they tell their kids, oh my kids working in film, now right, they won't be the only ones doing it. They'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, because we know so and so also works in film, and so they're not gonna feel. A negative uh, backlash. I or mean, if you that's tell your... true, but they also don't think about, like, everyone now is in real estate. I'm not talking about. <laughs> okay. But, but because, like, so many people are doing it now, you can kind of okay it with your family and be like, this person's doing it, that person's doing it. That's what a it is. A few of them are doing well, but the majority of them are not. Aren't, but that's the thing. But they're not thinking about but the they're few not that even, aren't. They're not even thinking about whether or not you're going to do well. They're a lot of times, and not all parents, their main concern is, is okay, if I turn around and tell my friends that my kid is doing such and such, or they're, this is how they're living their life, how are my friends and family going to react? And right. that kind of irks me a little bit. Because a little bit. <laughs> a lot. It irks me a lot because you shouldn't be making decisions off of what people are going to say. That's you know, because right. people, if people are going to talk, there's people that talk in every community. And those people are going to talk at any situation. Right. No matter what happens, they're going to find something to say. Yeah. So I mean, I, like, the the mature small part of my mind, I feel for my parents. I try to think about them as people who, I mean, in my personal situation, they they were not, they didn't have to come here at all or forcibly or anything. But they did, and I can't imagine, like, going to a new country and, like, start... I mean, I can imagine now, because I feel like resources are just easier now. Mm-hmm. But back then, I remember my dad had a job when he... What was he doing? He was, um... When he used to make us print out... My sister's in the background. <laughs> when he used to make us print out the math quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to install, um security alarms in people's houses Mm -hmm. and he would make me and my sister we had this like huge computer he would make us print out the directions on MapQuest yeah yeah and we were like yeah okay like one day when we grow up we're gonna do this and then the GPS came out and we had like this crazy GPS that we had um the the you had like you could choose the voices on it so you had like a Don Corleone Italian sounding guy as a GPS guy and that's what he would use then 
If we get lost, like if our phones die and we're lost somewhere, I could not tell you north from south, from east, from nothing. So what we have available to us now, yeah, I think I probably could go somewhere and start over easy, but how they did it, I no, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt a absolutely. lot. Absolutely. And I and I think a lot of times our generation we're kind of soft in the sense that right. like everything is not our fault. Everything is because my parents don't understand me and they're irrational and they're this and they're that. And we never take responsibility. And that's one thing that like Let me I, ask you a question though because that's my biggest struggle with my family is that they are very much like they'll never say no about anything. That's not to say that they're not strict. They'll say no with the with the the easy get out way for them to be like, you know, I never told you no about anything, mm-hmm. but at your own risk. Yeah. It's so my like, thing with them is that I'll do it. I wouldn't drop out of college, but and then they'll give yeah. you, they'll make you feel bad about dropping out. So my question to you I just lost it. It was really along the lines of that. That's my biggest thing. Like, my father, if I could count the number of times I told him, I'd rather you just say no than tell me do whatever you want, and then I do whatever you want, and you're mean, or you're, like, you're not yourself anymore. Like, you you gave me the green light, and his cop-out was always like, yeah, I told you you could do whatever you want, but you know what I want you to do. Yeah, this is where communication is very important. Um, And I think that goes both ways. So... I think the number one thing is having a good relationship with both of your parents, if not at least one, that you can communicate through. Um, That's my question. It was a good one. Is your family like that? Maybe that was my question. Um, or are they just like... Like, they they set expectations, and then they're like, yeah, yeah look, at the end, of it, you're going to do what you want. And sometimes you have to go against those expectations to do what really makes you happy. Um, Guilt. That's what I was going to ask. They do it because they don't want the the backlash of feeling like they guided something that then failed. Does that make sense? Yeah, they want no responsibility. They, they want, no... want no responsibility. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess they do that too. Um, uh, what I was trying to say is, I think having a good open line of communication with your parents is very key. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, taking some responsibility. A lot of us do stupid shit. And it's not just children of immigrants. A lot of people from the age of 15 to 25, and even older, do a lot of stupid shit. But don't you feel but, like it's expected? Of course I mean, it's I expected. I don't think that I would but, expect my teenagers to not no, do no, stupid no. shit. No, no, no. Of course. Of course it's expected. But the the wisdom comes in taking responsibility for knowing when you're fucking up. Um, so, like, a lot of times, for example, people want to do... Uh, work in a certain field or marry a certain person and they don't go about it the right way and they're instead of trying to build a line of communication they just blame everything on their parents mm-hmm. uh, and rather than trying to fix it they won't own up to any of their own mistakes that's what i i think this generation as a whole we never like to take responsibility like everything is not because we messed up but it's not always because we messed up. No, no, I, I know. I feel like with but... our culture, a lot of the decisions that we make are because of not just our parents, but I think we also think about what are people going to say within our culture, within our community. And no, stuff. no, of so course. But it's not a hundred percent. Like, but yes, how it of- is. And, and, and this is with our parents, too, because sometimes they won't say they messed up. But how often do people in general take ownership of messing up? 
I think it takes a while to get there, but when you get there, there's no going back. Yeah, but once you do, I feel like you can move past an issue much better. Once you know what you did, and you can own up to it, Yeah. you can move past it. You can, figure, you can worry about figuring out a solution rather than worrying about figuring out who to blame. If you could change anything about your parents, what would it be? Okay, not, not about your parents, not not about their personalities, about your upbringing. Um, again, I don't think not much. I think everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah, there's a bunch of shit that I wish didn't happen, but you never know how your life turns out and uh, and shapes you. Like I was thinking, I was talking to uh, to someone recently and i was ta- i was telling them about like a business opportunity that my father had before i was even born right and this would have uh significantly changed mm-hmm. his trajectory on life um didn't work out whatever but if it did i might have been a douchebag because i would have grown up like you super rich <laughs> right i would have grown up super rich went to a private school and i might have turned out turned out to be like yeah, people that i find to be losers and so you never know right so that's why i don't think like i think you look well, back you learn from your mistakes i think there are things that maybe could have been different um not situationally that's not what i meant maybe Maybe, like, a different way of communicating would have been helpful. I think I just recently learned to separate my parents as humans and my parents as my parents. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I never was able to look at them as this woman's name and that man. (laughs) Yeah, and they have their own feelings and they have their own... Like, I think... they're They're not above, you know, making mistakes. And like I said, I give them the benefit of the doubt of anything, everything... I maybe one thing I would people. tell, yeah. Maybe one thing I would tell eighteen year old me is, understand that your parents yeah. are their own people, Definitely. and they have their own goals and desires and wishes, and they had a life that existed before you, and so maybe look at what they say in the context of their upbringing, and I not take it um, as a personal attack, or a vendetta against you. I think I would have told them. I do tell them now, but maybe it's timings off. To be a little bit more selfish with themselves. I feel like they gave us a lot, but in turn, there's kind of this expectation now because they don't put it on us, but I mean, we're human, we feel it. To just, you know, there's no boundaries with what we're supposed to give back or how much we're supposed to be available to them. And I think it's because they weren't more selfish in their own lives. Which they should have been. I mean, they should have hobbies. They should travel. They should do what they want to do. But also, they're they're kind of like, I don't know, it was like a light switch kind of flipped. And all of a sudden, they were like, oh, my kids, they don't want to live with me forever. Or they, they want to do things differently than I want to do them. And they've been in shock mode, I'd say, for like the last five years. Since we kind of started all going our separate ways. So... Let me ask you something. This is kind of off topic. I was just kind of uh, floating in my head. Did you watch the video of the Uber Eats driver in D.C.? I watched the beginning of it, but I couldn't. I didn't want to see the end. Do you think those kids should be tried as adults? Because you're more politically correct than me. 
Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I worked in a juvenile detention center. <laughs> okay. So, yes. You think they should be tried as adults? Yeah. Oh, okay, me too. I thought we would disagree on that. Why? How old were they? 15 and 13. Absolutely, they should be tried as adults. You have to understand, like, the law, it's not perfect at all. And that's the reason that I went back to school and I didn't want to continue doing what I was doing. Because, first of all, the kids that I was seeing, like, they're in the system. There's no getting out of it. There's absolutely nothing I could have said to them or done for them or helped them in any way or guided them or advised them to get them out of the this cycle that they were now stuck in. Kids now are not the same as when we were kids. Like, when that rule was made that 17, you're tied as an adult, or, you know, whatever it's based off of, puberty or hormone, or, like, whatever that's based off of, I don't think it can be based off the same now. I can have an adult conversation with my friend's five-year-old toddler. He understands what I'm talking about. Like, he understands, I don't know, different countries. He understands the context of things. So he understands different languages. We weren't stupid. We didn't no, have no, as much it's, exposure. It's cool, cool. We didn't I think have kids now life. are stupider because they're just stuck behind the screen. They're stuck behind the screen, but they have so much more exposure to things. I don't. My friend, my friends' kids say the weirdest things to me, like like vocabulary words that I didn't know until I was grown. Or my friend's two year old daughter. The only two places she goes to with her mom are Trader Joe's and Target. Mm-hmm. And she was FaceTiming me, but she knows how to FaceTime me. That's like a whole other story in and of itself. Like she has her own iPad and she'll FaceTime me randomly. Like she doesn't know when I'm at work and when I'm not at work or whatever. And she FaceTimes me and she's like, and she's speaking in full sentences, which I, I don't know what age people are supposed to start speaking, but she's like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. I really, I like your necklace. It's so pretty. And I'm like, thank you. And she's like, did you get it from Trader Joe's? Because I was at Trader Joe's the other day and I saw, you know what I mean? Like having a, a full conversation. I could not tell you the names of the grocery stores that were in my town when I was young. You know what I mean? Like, they just... Um, no, Maybe that my, wasn't the best thing. No, my whole thing is, like, when I see with kids is they're just, um, like, especially this younger generation that grew up with, like, a cell phone and internet and everything. They have very bad people skills, one. And then, oh, yeah. two, they, they're kind of soft. They like don't own up to anything. Yeah, they're offended by everything. They don't. Yeah, but they don't own up to any mistakes that they make, and they think everything is their fault. It's like a bad system, or it's a yes. So okay, I'll give it to you in a little bit of better context. My first case when I had that job. So first of all, I go in on my first day, and I'm like, you know, in a pink button up, and all excited and happy, and I'm gonna change the world, and I'm gonna be such a a good impact on these kids. No, but my the guy that I was working under, he saw me and he's like, he looked me up and down. And he's like, this is not going to work out for you. You had to wear like gray, right? And I was like, no, he's like, this will suck the soul out of you. Like, stop coming in here thinking you're going to, you're with your hippie vibes or whatever. So the first case I had, I didn't read the file before the kid came in. He was sitting across the desk from me. He walks in, he's a child. And I'm a person who like, I always have really liked kids. I believed in their hey, innocence. Yeah, 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 yeah. He comes in, he sits down across from me, and he's just smiling the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like this weird smirk. That's the thing. Then I open the file and I start reading while the other guy's talking. And as soon as I start reading, I could not look up at him anymore. Like I do? was paralyzed. He killed someone? He was 12. He raped someone. So he's sick in the head. So... I then I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Like I'm freaking out. Not because like... 
I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I was just, like, my legs kind of locked up, up. And I just, yeah, I was really locked, and I couldn't look at him. And I knew that he was fixated on just looking at me to see my reaction. And when I did look up, he gave me the creepiest smile I've ever gotten in my life. He walked out. He didn't say a word. And then I kept reading the file, and it said, like, you know, history of he was molested by other people in his family, whatever, whatever. And they used that... I'm sorry, like, I know this is going to be controversial. That's his crutch. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that to a degree. Mm-hmm. But if you went through such a negative experience, and you know that it was a negative experience, why would you then do it to someone else? And the person that he raped, he was, it was a two, his two-year-old stepsister. So let me ask you something now, right? That's let's say, not let's, a child. No, no, no. That's not my understanding of no, a child. No, okay, so now let's yeah. say this kid was six years older, and he did the same thing. What's the question? He would get jail for significantly longer. Yes. But do you think that's fair? No, that's my whole point. It's He's not a child. I mean, maybe 12-year-olds back then, I, I, I don't know. I don't have any evidence of it, but I wasn't then looking at him as a child. That's my first case. The last case that I had when I was there, he was 17, and he was on the brink. So this is maybe more closer to your example. He was wanted in... The tri-state. Mm-hmm. This kid, 17 years old, walked in. i never seen anyone cleaner in my life. Like, nice. His clothes were ironed. His hair was perfect. He was smiling. He looked clean. Like, the best-looking child that walked into that place. That sounded wrong. But, I mean, he just looked like a very well clean guy. Huh? Like he was well kept. Yeah. Um, he was wanted for running $81,000 worth of heroin between the tri-state. He had an entire scheme. He had cars, he had houses, he had people working for him. I had never seen anything like it. Only 81000 Yeah. That, not that much. That month. Okay. No, this kid was raking in hundreds of thousands. Oh, okay, okay. That's how much he was caught with. Oh, wow, okay. Not him, like his, his houses or whatever... That's how much they busted him for. But he had been doing this for a really long time. So his, I, I guess I, his name's, Ke- his first name's Kevin. There he walks in and he's like, hey, how are you? So polite. So like I had never, he was just very, very polite. His mom was crying. He was Hispanic. His mom thought I spoke Spanish. So she's like crying and she's speaking Spanish and my son and my baby and what's going to happen. And, and I'm like, I mean, like- what? No, no, <laughs> And I was like, I mean, you know what's going to happen. Like there's... But then I kept thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, say this guy was not going to be tried as an adult, and he was going to be tried as a juvenile, and part of the job was then to to guide them. How in the hell am I supposed to convince this guy to go to a four-year college and graduate well, and get a traditional he, job? See, he, he seems like... He's smart. He's smart. a genius. He was not... I, I didn't look at him as, like, a druggie, or I looked at him as a businessman. Like, mm-hmm. granted, he wasn't, you know, in the right line of business, I guess. But he was a genius. And he had this untapped potential. But because of where he grew up and what he had available to him, this was the only way he knew how to how to flip it. He ended up, like, of course, getting tried as an adult. The other kid... Um, how long did he go to jail for? Kevin? Yeah. I don't know. I actually want to look it up. Because somebody like that, I feel like, can come out and offer something to society. He can offer something to society as is, if he's guided in the right way. 
There's the other not enough no. money. There's not enough money. There's not enough wanting in this system to look at him as a potential benefit in another way. Yeah, no, this is true. Anyway, I think we got a little bit off topic. What uh, were you asking? It was because of the guy. Yeah, yeah I was just curious as to because there's a 13 and 15 year old and. Should they be tried as adults? Well, I mean, I the whole answer there is kids these days are not kids when that rule was made. So, yes, they should be tried as adults. And in his place, right? So, when Allah would explicitly... That's fine. Mo's not paying attention. He's just, you know, it's fine. I'm playing a game of tic-tac-toe over here. Um, we're doing good on time. We're, we're pretty good on time. You yeah. could edit that out. What? The... No, I'm leaving it. Authenticity is... Fine. Authenticity, right? <laughs> We can't uh, risk deleting our third version. What else did we talk about last time? That episode went on for a while. Um, you had a different answer. No, no, that's pretty much it. No, you had a different answer the last time. To not be afraid to try something new? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't remember what I said. Uh, but I think the bottom that's, line... That's the advice I would give this week. What? To Did my 18-year-old me. No, don't be afraid to try something. Like, I don't be afraid to, to mess up. This has to be like a spin-off episode or something, but I have got to tell you, I had a crazy experience this week. I think <laughs> it's going to have to make it to an episode. We'll, we'll, we'll do our own episode on that. Um, the other thing, too, just because uh, just this is the intro episode, is... Um, oh, I remember I did talk about this in our last episode, is being comfortable with who you are. Okay. And I, I noticed this too much with children of immigrants is rather than owning the fact that they're different yeah. they do whatever they can to assimilate mm-hmm. and assimilation is good and to a certain extent but when you start becoming someone who you aren't and trying to please people who you can't mm-hmm. um i feel like you lose who you are you lose what makes you unique and i feel like not so much in the city but suburban immigrant kids there it is that's yes. Yeah, this is this is this is something I this is something I firmly off. believe in. Is suburban immigrant kids turn out a little bit weird, and maybe they think that I'm weird, right? But but no, we don't think you're weird. You said something last week though, and I said it to my white for my white person. Okay. Uh, yesterday because it really stuck with me. You were like, you know, I'm a Middle Eastern guy, and I lived in New York during nine eleven, and I didn't really, I don't. I don't remember exactly how you said it. But I mean, I was a kid. You, you I saw it. I, I saw everything happen, like, with my own eyes. But what That you being said, said you is, like, I never felt yeah, out of like place. I didn't belong. Yes. I never felt like I had to change who I was to fit in. And there's people in my own community that did. Yeah. That's fine. Me, personally, my one thing that I really appreciate that my parents gave for me is, it, is they instilled a lot of confidence in me. Yeah. Right? And I think I was be able to be confident in who I am. Um, because of my community, because I didn't stand out like a sore thumb, right? You know, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I told her it was crazy that you said that, because I was like, you would imagine that since these people are in New York, that they would get more heat. But then thinking about it in the school that I was in at the time before we moved, um, we did get a lot of heat for it. Well, And then, like, the other thing that you said that just brought up, you know someone and their family that ended up going the opposite direction. They actually left New York to, I guess, I don't know, like maybe they felt the pressure that you didn't. I just thought it was very, very, very interesting that you 
didn't feel the heat of it. And then well, people who weren't even... the beauty of New York, and I'm talking about growing up in New York in the late 90s yeah. and 2000s, before kind of, like, gentrification took over, um, is everybody's different, right? Like, there's literally no two blocks that are the same. There's no two neighborhoods yeah. that are the same. And there's, like... Like, New York has no majority. New York is a city, or at least at a point was a city of minorities right so it's like uh, nobody can really press anybody else right like yeah. the spanish people can't press the middle eastern people for being different because the spanish people are different too like there's no norm in new york there's so many like there's polish neighborhoods there's spanish neighborhoods there's arabic neighborhoods there's south asian neighborhoods there's asian neighborhoods there's russian neighborhoods you know there's african neighborhoods there's jamaican neighborhoods like so who's to call who the norm? There's no norm. There's white neighborhoods, you know, Italian neighborhoods, Greek neighborhoods. Um, so, like, that's what I loved. Like, everybody could be themselves and there was no, like, standard of, oh, this is how you have to be to be accepted. Now, my, the high school I went to was, like, 5,000 people. That's a dead giveaway. No, yeah, that is what it is. Um, but... You were popular. No, no, but... That's where you popped off the last episode. That's why it was so long. So go ahead. Yeah, the but floor that's, is yours. No, but that's what it is. It's like nobody, nobody knows what a norm is. So when you're different, you can be kind of, you can be yourself and yeah. people don't look at you with. Like in my high school, I had, you know, like we had Spanish people saying Wallah and security guards saying Inshallah. And uh, we're going to name the podcast Wallah, bro. Yeah, but somebody took it. Um, yeah, but they didn't even... They only had one episode and it looked really... Eh. Eh. Like, like, we're better, right? Like, we're better than them. We are, Like, absolutely. we're better people, top to bottom. 100%. Than the Willow Bros. 100%. Um, but yeah, no, that's what it was. So that's what, like, you know, you're, you, you've been around... Like, so, after, I want to say, like, during college, mm-hmm. when I would see, like, Muslims and Middle Eastern people and South Asian people from the suburbs... It would just be so weird to me because it's like they're so whitewashed. They feel like they have this like inferiority complex that they have to change who they are to fit in or like they they can't have a community. Yeah. And so to me, it's always weird. It's it's funny that you say that because we did. I mean, I did live in the suburbs. But because there was a lot of, like, Mediterranean influence, not Middle Eastern, just Mediterranean, it always kind of felt like... And because me and my siblings all look like we... We look very different, but we all look like we can kind of melt with anything. It was You fine. look white. It's cool. But I look white? Like, you could pass for white. What? Yeah, you could pass for white. In what world? Like, you could pass for, like, Greek or Italian. That's not white. What is that? That's not seasoned white. white. What is that? Seasoned white. That's white. No, it's well, not. That's white. You think Greek people aren't white? No. I have a lot of Greek friends. They're white. They put Caucasian on their on their census. What did you put on yours? I put other. So I had Syrian friends that put African American to get into school. Okay, but they're scammers. But no, there was I, no other option at one point. Okay, I mean... It wasn't on the census, Usually, like, I don't college fill out applications the census. and stuff. I went to a community college. Like, I went to a public you college. You didn't have to fill it out. I, got, I went to school and they paid me. Financial aid gave me money back. That's where we got into a fight, the last podcast. Not a fight. You can't say shit like that to normal people. He was like, I had to go back. 
Wait, I'm talking to my sister now. She was like, I have to go back to the I'll, t- I'll tell the you the story. Office. I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story. Go ahead. So, I graduated around I the dare same- you not to punch her in the face. After. I graduated around the same time as, like, one of my, like, my childhood best friend. Like, I consider him a cousin. Mm-hmm. And I gra- graduated from a business program, and I went to CUNY, which is, like, New York's uh, public university or whatever. Mm-hmm. New York City's public university. And my friend went to a private school. And he graduated a pharmacy program. And now he's a year he's a year older than me. But we ended up graduating around the same time. Um, but anyway, uh, my last semester is the first semester that financially didn't cover my whole tuition. So I, ha- I ended up owing like $500. So I was bummed out, whatever. And I'm sitting with this friend. And he goes like, yo, why are you bummed out? So I was like, yo, it sucks. I have to pay, you know, like, uh, I have to pay back my college. And he's like, yeah, me too, man. I'm kind of bummed out about it, too. And he goes, like, how much do you have to owe? And I'm like, $500. And I ask him, I'm like, how much do you owe? So he goes, like, $1,000. No, he goes, like, $1,000. So I'm like, yo, you're a farm. Like, I'm like, yo, what? It's not that bad, bro. You're a pharmacist. You're going to make six figures. Stop complaining. Right? So he goes, like, how long do you have to pay for? I'm like, what do you mean? I have to go pay right now $500. I'm good. Like, that's it. This I owe $500. And he's, he told me he owes $1,000 a month for, like, the next 20 years or something. Well, yeah. And that's when it hit me how bad student loans are. <laughs> because I don't understand. I, I graduated. He's like, oh, man, I have to pay. Well, I didn't know why I said 50000 Like, what? No, I, no, no. I graduated with $500 in student debt. And I paid it off in one shot. And I was still upset and that I'm... you bummed about it? That's yeah, the thing. You said you were upset sem- about it. Every other semester, I was getting back $2,000 oh, in financial Oh, poor you. Yeah, I was poor. That's why I was getting $2,000 back. Whatever. That's insane. Anyway, I think this is a good first episode. Um, so we have an Instagram page. Yeah, Coffee and Kanafa. Coffee and Kanafa. Um, I think so. I do have a list of questions from other people. We we won't do that ask today. Them. No, no, ask two questions. No, I because my phone's on. No, oh, okay. I don't want to delete this. Okay. I'll write them out. We can do them in the next episode. But okay. but I think I just want to close it with, like, you can... We're not experts in any field whatsoever. <laughs> um, Take absolutely no advice from us. We are not, not to be held liable. This is not... You can't run back to your parents and play this and say this. Yeah. But if you are, just let them know. Fuck France. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll find out. I'm no. Sure you'll find out. France. Oh, yeah. <laughs> France... France is like, it's a double negative, right? Like France is a bunch of pussies. No, no, it's a bunch of pussies, but they're also racist. They're a lot. They're not racist with their chest. Like the one thing I'll say about like Trump supporters or whatever is they're racist with their chest. I don't. Yeah, like I don't. I understand. I don't necessarily agree with them, obviously, but at least they're true to who they are. France last week they um, they banned halal meat, right? Or, oh, yeah, right? I saw that. Uh-huh. But they did it because it's supposedly cruel to the animal to kill it. And in the article, it says kosher and halal ways of slaughtering animals is considered cruel, is considered animal cruelty. Cool, whatever. Uh, not that I agree with it, yeah. but then ban kosher meat. But they won't because they're a bunch of herbs because they're afraid. It's like I was giving this example. It's like imagine being racist. But being racist to like, like a small like the small people in that race. So like imagine. No, like, go ahead. Say like, what you okay, said. let's say you're racist, right? Let's say like you're a part of the Ku Klux Klan. Like you hate black people, but then you're like, I only hate like 
small black people. Because I'm afraid the big ones are going to beat me up. <laughs> That's what France is doing right now. France right now is afraid of the small. France, if you're going to be racist, be racist with your chest. We're going to, that's very, I'm glad that you have the optimism that this is going to reach France. Um, Send us your questions. What's the, what's the, Malcaron, whatever, the president of France? Malcaron? What's his first name? Yeah. He's not important, that's why. He's not important, (laughs) okay. Um, Send us your questions. We'll keep everything super anonymous. And um, we hope to be helpful or entertaining or... Um, Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel, his first name is? Yeah, he just sounds like a, like a herb. He sounds not French. Sounds anyway. like a loser. Anyway. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys.